is up everybody welcome back to that dan band show podcast on flow marching hosted by yours truly dan shack i miss you guys i miss you guys so much i took last month off it was the month of april if you're listening to this podcast you know what april means it means wgi time it is world championships time it's it's kind of when we um do our last performances locally we sort of move in and spend about a week uh for for us at gmu um on campus we were super lucky we spent most of our finals week rehearsals in eagle bank arena which is a basketball arena on george mason's campus and it is probably the best practice venue you could get um, in terms of its relationship and similarity to the Dayton Arena. I saw pictures of United. Um, they had rented the Nutter Center out in Fairborn, which is uh, just up the road from Dayton. So they did something similar. Um, it just makes that experience really special and, and cool. And, you know, you hear about uh, the Blue Devils renting uh, Indianapolis Colts indoor facility DCF finals week or Boston renting some super intense indoor facility. Um, it's really smart for them to do that, especially with the acoustics being inside versus we're outside most of the summer. For us, this was really a great replication being at Eagle Bank. So a uh, massive, massive thank you to everyone that helped make that happen. It just really contributed to a positive experience. Um, I decided to take last month off because, you know, in the run up to finals, it's like, I'm done making projections. I'm done thinking about what if it's like, it's time to kind of just put your head down and finish the season strong. So I didn't feel like there was a necessity to necessarily provide any analysis of where things were at. I think everyone that listens to this podcast gets a lot of that and gets a lot of sort of, um, you know, my thoughts on where things are at mid season or just what I'm like seeing or noticing or whatever. Um, and I was kind of like, you know, I don't really feel like doing that. I kind of feel like just focusing on my own stuff. And, um, you know, along with that, I moved right after WGI finals. You'll see this is a different background. I am in a, a new place in the same city. Um, so that was a lot. I had my mom's 70th birthday. So I had to go up to Connecticut and uh, spend some some time with the family. So just kind of decompressing. And, and to be honest, I, I did want to wait a few weeks until after the season to just kind of reflect back. Um, we've already sort of started our internal work on closing things out and moving forward into 2024. Um, we took not even a week off and we were kind of already started with staffing, personnel, um, just kind of getting our heads wrapped around how the season ended um, and, and that sort of process that hopefully everyone undergoes that that works with an indoor drum line or anything that's competitive and, and sort of seasonal in the way that we are. Um, but I, I wanna kind of just use this platform and the space to do a solo episode and just do my takeaways from the 2023 season. Um, I can tell you every single year that, that I do this, I walk away from the season and know so much more, have learned so much, and you never really can tell what you're missing or what you don't know yet, um, like that old kind of saying goes. So it was like, 
I wanted to sit down here and just kind of use this as a space to record my thoughts on just not really even just like GMU and we're replaced and things like that. Like there's so many moving parts and so many factors to why things happen the way they happen. Um, and as you get older and more experienced, it's easier to care less about kind of the bullshit. So I'm happy to report that I care less about the bullshit than last year, the year before. Um, but you know, this is, that was my 10th, uh, independent design, uh, 2014 was open class and then 15 to now has all been independent world, all of which I am extremely proud to say have been finalist, um, groups. Um, so that's, that's dope. And it's like, just being in independent world finals as a designer for, for nine years straight. And then obviously 2014, we, we won open class. Um, you know, you got to just take a second to, just appreciate that, um, that we are in, that we've been in, we've been hanging um, alongside, you know, peers, at least for me, my peers now are the, the respective program coordinators and creatives that, um, you know, oversee these groups, but as well, you know, our peers that we march alongside of and our competitors. And that's always an interesting part of of this thing that we do is that we are also, we're friends with our competitors, maybe sometimes less so we all have our personal things, but um, there's definitely a lot of love there, which I think is really cool. And we, we work together in a lot of ways, I think across designers and um, we inform each other um, in how we do what we do just through the work itself, but also of course, through relationships. Um, so feeling, you know, 10 years into the independent thing straight. Um, I feel like I have more relationships with, you know, other designers and other uh, judges really now at the WGI level. And it's really cool to feel that, to feel that there is some respect um, between some of the judges there. And I don't think that's across the board. I think that every group um, has their own relationships and interpersonal kind of things with judges. And I'll definitely get into that a little bit, but I can tell you this year felt a little bit warmer than perhaps it has sometimes in the past, whether it be the reads or the critique. So that's a, that's a good thing. And that feels good to, to feel like, um, putting that time in and putting the hours in and, and the, the sweat that it can pay off just in terms of the relationship building. And, um, I think it's important to focus on that more than just outcomes and numbers and and things that at, at times we don't totally have control of um, because there's just so many factors so um this is going to be a solo episode like i said no no interview nothing like that i'm kind of just doing my thing um and wanted to just get this out so i could just kind of move on and, and look ahead to what's next so um you know please forgive me as usual i did actually write down 10 bullet points for my takeaways for the season but um as you all likely know listening that the order is you know somewhat arbitrary and i will definitely be deviating and repeating and contradicting myself and um you know this is not me laying down the law or anything like that like i am uh very lucky to be doing what i'm doing and there are many other people out there doing it at the level that i do it and they probably would maybe disagree. Um, and I welcome disagreement and conversation and discourse because that's healthy. Um, so, you know, this is not meant to be biblical. This is more of just 
hey, right now, this is how I feel. And, and I want to talk about it and see how other people feel and hopefully can generate some conversations and, and some thoughts. So um, in, in some particular order, my first bullet, um, my first takeaway from WGI 2023 is uh, that every season is an emotional roller coaster uh, and you should expect that. So that's one of those things that comes with time, comes with experience is every single year, the only guarantee is hardship. The only guarantee is the requirement that you have to pivot in your decision-making, that you have to pivot away from something you thought was going to happen. Um, the only thing that you can guarantee is that you are going to be faced with, with difficult times, whether it be the exhaustion that comes with driving three hours back and forth every weekend for like six or plus six months, um, the exhaustion that comes with just, you know, diving into the most granular level details when you're in, in the design phase, which for us was honestly all year, um, the exhaustion that can come with being a member and hearing the same information, making the same mistake you're trying to break out of, um, break old habits from a technique standpoint. Uh, there's just, it's very, very uh, challenging and it gets very granular and that can wear on people. And there's sort of, not two, but there's a variety of ways you could sort of approach that, which would be the surprise that every time something doesn't go the way that you wanted or, or changes or someone challenges you that you react to it and you take it personally and you make it a thing, um, or you can learn how to separate, uh, you know, whether it be tone, whether it be an emotional reaction and parse out what's valuable for you and then take the rest and throw it in the trash, you can exist through this world for longer. So that's something that I think this year, at least for me personally, I, I felt like I was just way more ahead of my emotions that knowing that things are going to change or there's going to be adversity. I was able to stay more on top of that and not get as run down with all of the moving parts and all of the feedback and all of the ups and downs that comes with doing anything at the highest level. Um, I think being at year 10, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I've calmed myself down. I know what to expect a little bit more and I can see further ahead and that can help me inform decisions or help me just stay present when something needs to be done that I'm not getting bogged down by all of the stuff that can come into your ears and your eyes and what you've been exposed to throughout um, that you can stay with what your, your thought is or stay with what your intent is and not get pulled one way or the other. And I honestly think that skill right there is like, not only is it learned, but it's something that you need to exist, um, not only exist, but succeed in the marching arts. Um, because I think a lot of why, or I guess the reason for the people that you see um, out doing big things or, you know, the names on the sticks or all those guys that have been doing it forever, half the battle is, is just outlasting people. I think that it can seem, oh, it's glamorous to be in the box and make the comments through the mic, or it's glamorous to be on the design team. 
half of it is just that you have the the will to keep going when quitting would be easier. Um, I don't think a lot of people know that. And everything that happens in the marching arts is a thankless job because we're a niche community. So we rely on each other for validation. We rely on each other for feedback. It's very insular. It's very small. It's kind of a, a, a small population of people that feed how we move. Um, but those people that you see succeeding, it's, it's that ability to sustain yourself through the exhaustion and, and know how to craft your, your life around this. Cause this is a lifestyle. And I say that to GMU all the time. And it really is, you have to either choose to live in this life or you resist it. And the people who resist it, they really can't last. They march one year of DCI and they disappear forever. They teach and they're passionate about it. And then they realize what it really takes and then they're gone. And that's so hard to do. And I'm not saying it's easy, but it's something that's practiced and it, it takes time. Um, knowing when you go into a season, that's not going to be perfect. Going to a season, knowing that you're going to face a lot of pushback, that you're going to have to look at yourself in the mirror in whatever role you're in. And you have to decide how you proceed with that. Um, and I felt like 2023 was that, um, step for me that I felt that, that I was able to approach each block and each task with more openness and less baggage. And it made the whole experience just a lot more fun and a lot less like stressful or like less moments of like anger or resentment or whatever. Cause those things do pop up throughout, you know, just this, this process that we, that we undergo. Um, my second thought around 2023 was, um, for me, um, I, I've, I've been on this for probably 2019 to now, but considering what the members are going to feel, think, say, how they respond every step of the way, um, whether it be the rehearsal and the style of the rehearsal and how feedback's being given and um, the tone of your voice or how many swear words I'm choosing to use or not, and just feeling that out or a big one for me is the costuming still um, that I feel like we have found our, our lane at Mason with our costuming where we want the, the students, the members, the, the actual group to feel good ultimately when the costume is done. Um, I'm very happy that we continue to proceed down that path. I think there's a lot of teams that are not on that at all. There's a disconnect between what the current generation of members wants to be costumed in versus what not only the designers but honestly the people upstairs feel is the appropriate method of costuming and i think you can see where there is a a, a split happening in the community where it's like you know hyper tight uniforms bright white you know you have the line down it for the you know the the clarity and the impact that can create upstairs but it's just absolutely goofy and it's like if i weren't wearing a drum like you see the people in those costumes walking around and it doesn't look good it doesn't look comfortable for all body types and all identities and i think that is a a really great example of a whole umbrella of things that take place whether it be in different organizations or in wgi itself where we we're in this identity crisis of like are we cool or are we 
educational? Are we trying to sell tickets? Are we trying to appease judges? And I think I continue to believe that making the experience great for the kids is more important than appeasing the eight old guys that are judging at the end. I don't really care if they think it's cool or not. If they think it's cool, it might not be right for my members. And I serve the members over the judges all day, every day. And will that impact maybe what you see with a competitive outcome? Maybe. I am caring less and less about that. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy that at GMU we've taken continued strides and that I continue to take strides, whether it be my teaching style and that I am, I'm making more of a personal connection with my members. Whereas in the past it was very like robotic and it was very aggressive and, you know, angry sounding and emotional. And I still come off aggressively because of just my uh, way that I talk and just my background or whatever. But I think my connection with the members and having personal relationships with more members in the group that all of our decisions made around the programming and the design and the music and the costuming that it's all about them. It's all back to the member, the experience. And I think that we had a member centric show that they could connect to that. I didn't need to explain to them why it was fun to perform. So we had more fun moments in rehearsal and less, explaining and this is what the emotion is uh, there was the, some of that there always needs to be coaching behind that but I, I think it's very clear to our members that we are designing for them and that their experience in rehearsal in the show is connected to the, the design and that those things are innately tied up and I think even groups that scored higher than us the programming might not be meeting the members where they're at as much so there are you know, there's positives about what they're doing in terms of the drumming and their visual skill set, but maybe the concept itself isn't matching with what a 21-year-old finds cool because the people designing for those groups are really advanced, really experienced. They've been doing it for decades, but they're pretty separated from a younger generation the way that I am 10 years out of marching or whatever right i guess 11 or, or so at this point um so again these are decisions and choices we make around the culture of our groups but i will continue to stay with the thread of members first and the competition comes second because i believe those things are all headed in a parallel direction um and parallel is not the right word right whatever this is that eventually those lines are going to cross um, and we'll find the competitive success with the identity of our design that is all about the member experience that they communicate and have an excellent time doing the show every weekend. Um, because we spend so much more time in rehearsal than we do um, actually performing the show live for an audience, right? So that's something that is important to keep in mind when you're conceptualizing what you're about to spend a year on. So that being said, my next takeaway for 2023 was there is no ideal judging panel for any single group. Um, and my next bullet is definitely related. Um, oh man, I, I even get caught up in this this year where it's like the panels are coming out for finals and it's like, oh, I'm a fan of this guy. So they're going to like us. And like, I know this guy from this and he's going to like us and she's going to like us. And you get wrapped up in the like 
who you know, or like the style that they design or teach or judge in, and you feel like they're going to be on your side. There's two sides to it, which is there are judges and they do have tastes. We know that there are judges who have certain styles of judging, what they're looking for, what they respond to or what they don't. Um, and you could sit down and kind of go, okay, like I know that, you know, even, I mean, Scott Johnson was on the podcast and he was like, yeah, I judge the hands. I'm not really judging the book. Like, hey, that's what he said. Um, Omar, we know he is heavily invested in music theory, music composition. He's thinking about layering and voices and key signatures and the way that the acoustics read amongst these other choices. Like it's just super granular technical feedback, right? Um, those are two music judges. They're gonna give you completely different reads, right? There's the same thing across the effect judges. Well, you, you'll get a Matt Stevens um, who is, has a color guard background. So he's gonna respond to what you do visually and your storytelling and your originality from that standpoint. Whereas you might have a music judge more on like the Jay Kennedy side or something like that, or like an effect, sorry, that was music effect or a music effect judge. Um, like Ray Yulaberry, who we had might be like slightly more technical or just the point being they attach to different things, different bullets on the sheet or just like different components of a design. So that's always there is like, yes, there is like instances of what a judges will respond to. But my point is that when you get into the room in the last week and there's the 30 world groups that are going in a random ass order, especially the first night, all of those things yes, are in the tapes and, and that type of thing, but their feelings about your group in the past might not be your, their feelings about your group now because all the groups around it are different too. Some are getting better, some are getting worse. There's a certain style that's coming across. The room sounds a certain way. Maybe you, you're coming across a certain way from your tuning or from uh, your balance or whatever. There's just all these things. And people that you might expect to like really go to bat for you, whatever. I mean, you'd hope they would, but that's just not always the case, right? Like there, there is an order that you kind of expect to see everyone fall in. And it's very unusual to see a judge come in and shake that up, even if they are a fan, like that's just not someone's incentive is to go in and like break what the expectation is. They, you do see it. There's no, question and I can give you instances I'm not going to be pulling up recaps because I don't care to but you do see calls being made I think WGI is a place where um, calls are made more so than a DCI for example where they really do just slot you in the order you were in last year and there are components of that and we all kind of know what the how that shakes out. Um, but I think in WGI, you do see more of the variety of, of how things go. Um, so I just think that there is no ideal panel for any group, that it's all about a total impression you're able to put across rather than catering to people you expect to see or what people's you know, certain like likes are or whatever. So um, for me going forward, it's like, I need to stop caring about panels as much. I need to just focus on the product, the, the panel shakeout thing. Like it just, it just doesn't really matter that much, I guess you would say, because you're going to get this wide variety of people. That being said, I was very confused this year. Why in the world they had um, GIF and Omar together and then the previous night, it was JJ uh, Pepitone and Jeff Prospery. I don't know why they did that. I thought that was a 
terrible call on whoever organized the judges, no offense, but it's really obvious that you have two more front ensemble heavy people and two more battery centric people. Not that they don't respond to all they do, not giving them shit. But when you're thinking about staffing the judges panel, I would think you'd purposely provide some differences, especially when you're in a singular caption. So would love to hear more about that. I wonder if that's going to come up um, at the advisory board meeting here on, on June 10th, about a month from now. So moving along here, um, kind of in this cluster of, of bullet points for my takeaways, um, variety across captions and sub captions is healthy. I see chatter online about how crazy, like the differences between like a single group between two music judges or whatever, or between, you know, a music effect or music. I just want to respond to that. The effect captions are like super, super subjective. I don't think that you can look at effect visual or effect music and then try to like understand why that's where that at is at. And then the visual nuts and bolts scores here, or like where the music is versus music effect. Okay. I do think it is weird the the variety or the discrepancies between two people are sitting next to each other and you know you're getting sixth and 15th i think that's a real fuck up i think we will be talking about that and i think there is a cause for concern when you have two people with similar backgrounds and their reads are whether they read is similar or not I, it just like lands totally differently i don't necessarily under, necessarily understand how um a singular group uh, especially when the judges are always talking about clarity clarity transparency you can read a singular group two people with ears are getting totally different reads um especially when we look at the panels this year like i said two very battery you know background guys two more front ensemble background guys and it was just like they were not having the same experience. Like, should they all be judging? Are they all equipped for this? Like, what is going on here? Like, I completely don't understand the, the discrepancies between the nuts and bolts. So I will, let me amend my bullet live is variety across captions and subcaptions is healthy when you're talking about effect in relationship to its respective nuts and bolts. I get that. Or like visual nuts and bolts versus music nuts and bolts. Okay. I don't understand how people judging the same caption in the nuts and bolts side of things are having completely different reads, especially in the right box. That's the execution box. Someone please explain it to me. I'm not smart enough to get this. So looking forward to a, a somewhat politically driven answer here coming up shortly. Um, we experienced a lot of at Mason is an inconsistency between the read on the tape and the number. This is my least favorite thing about WGI right now is we are getting effect visual tapes with seemingly no negative comments. So maybe not first place because, you know, everyone's good, but oh, solid box five, like nine, five, nine, four. And then one of the sub captions in that read is in box four. My issue here is I don't know where to go next. I go, you, you loved it, you responded to it, you got it. And then the number is box four. It's not box five. It's not that always, right? So I'm like, I don't know what to fix about what I'm doing when your read is this like perfect thing. Oh my God, I get it, blah. And then you put a box four number, for example. Um, so I'm, 
I'm still struggling with this. I think this is the number one thing in judging that is pretty bad and somewhat rampant, which is that if you give a read that is flawless, you better put those numbers down because otherwise the narrative is broken between the read and the number. And we as educators and the members who listen to the tapes, they don't know what to do with that. And maybe what I'm missing is, oh, there's enough groups above you that, yes, it was great, but it pushes you into the high box four. No, there is plenty of room in between 90 and 100 if the read is flawless, that it needs to be a 90, right? Um, so I just, I was experiencing that not only at finals and those last three rounds, but all the time we get reads that are just like great. And then the number, it's like, oh, well, we're afraid to put a high number down because the name of your group, or we're afraid to put a high number down because we don't want to hurt the feelings of the people that run WGI, that make the decisions, that choose who judges, whatever, you know, call spade a spade. Like there are incentives here behind the scenes. If you want to deny that, you are wrong because I've judged with WGI judges, right? So we have relationships where we're able to talk inside baseball away from the judging context, right? Even I have those relationships, so I'm flagging it. I'm not saying that I'm outside of that, but I'm telling you all and the people who constantly say it's show of the night or people who are can't wrap their heads around the politics, you need to get it. Like, I'm, I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying it's bullshit. But let's stop pretending that what's going on is like a science or it's, it's not. There are relationships. There are gigs. There is money. There are endorsements. There are clinics to be taught. There are opportunities. Teach it. Listen, plenty of these WGI judges teach with the people they're judging in the summer. Right. I've experienced it. Many people have. So let's just say what it is. Right. And what we can do is, if you are going to give a perfect tape, it needs to be reflected in the number. If you are going to give super critical feedback, it should be reflected in the number, whatever, right? So I don't see that happening. I think people still are just making broad generalizations in their ranking, and then they sort of just make it fit instead of being true to what their read was. It's not helping the activity move forward. And I think it is an, an area that could be improved upon, but for some reason, some individuals who are judging or, or maybe they're not aware of it, but they're not being held accountable to connect the dots between the read and the number and the rank. It's gotta be there. We don't know what else to do if it's not. So I could obviously talk judging and what I think and, you know, all the things I don't know and, you know, verbiage on the sheets. And I even had some of the effect sheets pulled up here. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to always be that person who is like super critical of the judging. Um, I think there's a lot, you know, that I want to do for myself. That's, that's separate, but I think to close out the conversation around, you know, judging and, and, and what my feelings were um, around the 2023 season, I, I'm finding that when we talk about these effect captions, that they don't always correspond to entertainment. What I mean by that is 
I don't think that the groups that score in the order, if we had a, a, a decibel reader for the audience, that it's necessarily one-to-one. -one. And I've, I've written about this and I talked about this in terms of fan favorite that it's always really interesting that the fan favorite falls on average between like, I think it's seventh and 13th place. And for some reason, actually, I, I'm interested in what's going on, conspiracy time. There is no fan favorite anymore. We don't vote. There's no audience participation anymore. But when there was, the fan favorite would fall between, you know, 7th and, and 12th or 13th. And I'm really interested in wondering why what we consider to be effective on the sheets themselves in regards to the verbiage, the technical verbiage meant to describe effect is not in line with audience reaction, engagement, understanding, and accessibility. And of course, Guy from GMU, we had an accessible, entertaining show. It was fun. The audience got it and reacted to it and responded to it. What is going on in terms of reading the effect from a judging perspective, from a technical perspective, that's not connecting. And my theory is not that it's what's on the sheets. I think what's on the sheets decently kind of captures how you would kind of nerdily describe a good experience in the audience, right? If, you, if you're if you an audience member at a, a show or a play or a movie, it's like, why was that movie good? It's like, well, it was emotional. It made me anxious or have a visceral response. It uh, captured my attention. I didn't get distracted. It, it's world building was really strong. It was believable. It's realism, whatever. I think those things are like decently captured. I think what we need to admit is the effect sheets are heavily nuts and bolts sheets. Like you need to be good. Like the shit doesn't click. Like excellence as effect is the whole effect sheet. You could have really, really interesting ideas, but if they're not executed clean, and, and when I even like the ideas, meaning like moving and playing, I just don't think it, it matters to them. I think they are just ranking us essentially in the order that they think we are good or not. And what they choose to pull from what makes a group good or not is up to them, like I said. Could be variety, right? Could be visual journey. It could be compositional range. It could be, I will pull up the, the sheet, right? Because they're attempting to capture all of these different ideas, right? In terms of music effect on the, on the right side, musical journey, creativity, musicianship, artistry, excellence as effect. Excellence as effect is like, should be not only on top, but like the only one. Like, I don't really think musical journey and pacing has too much to do with it. I don't think creativity has anything to do with it. There are groups copycatting other groups and then they're not getting hit on that. Like, I just don't think that much what's on this sheet is actually being used. I think it's all about excellence. Excellence equals communication equals effect. Okay. So do we need to be better? Fuck. Yeah, of course we need to be better. I would be stupid and blind and deaf not to go we want to be better great but 
that's what it, this is all about. So it's like, why do we have these bullets on the effect sheets? Why don't we just make it like effect? And it's just like my impression out of a hundred was an 85. It doesn't fucking matter why, because I think we're trying to explain why. And I don't think it's being captured accurately in the reads. I don't think that many of the bullet points in on these sheets are being utilized and it leaves people trying to figure out what their next steps are to be quite unsure, uncertain, or confused. So let's just call a spade a spade. It's all about how good the members are, how advanced the members are, how much experience the members have, and everything else comes next, whether it be effect or nuts and bolts. So that's my opinion. Would love to hear everyone's counter opinions, but I think I'm pretty right. So a lot of that that I just covered in terms of takeaways were maybe related to, you know, my experience with some of the politics and the judging and the scores. I want to do a little more of like a personal reflection for these remaining five um, so that I can sort of take all that and then go, okay, but so here are my takeaways for myself, just so I don't, you know, lose my mind trying to, you know, throw a, a dart at a, a moving target or whatever. So next outcome or a takeaway rather stress the craft, not the outcomes. So this is, again, something I think we had a really solid year with was instead of trying to pander to all the judges and trying to reach all the subcaptions that aren't being judged, really, stress your craft, what you're doing, the program, trying to put forth and communicate the thing you intend to that has to be everyone's goal because if it's not, maybe, maybe you're scoring. Okay. Like mid range. Okay. I think some groups are, I think the members can tell like, Oh, this is just a recycled version of this group. That's one. This is a recycled version of that group. That's one. I think that's going to catch up to people. And I think even more so those shows are going to sort of just evaporate into nowhere in a couple of years cool. Like you got this placement and you made finals, whatever. But if you're not doing it for your own group, if you're not doing it to serve your own vision, I think people can tell, I don't think the judges can tell, but I think that the community can, and we all need to stress our craft, but we need to trust our instincts. Maybe that's my caveat on this one is like stress the craft according to your instincts, according to what you always wanted out of this instead of what you believe the people up top want do it for your own you know creative vision right and then you will get what you want and i think the outcomes won't be such a predictor of the member experience right because if it's all about your competitive outcomes and you don't get what you want out of that you're going to be hard pressed to convince the members that they had like a good experience. It was all about ending somewhere or, or whatever. And there's always competition talk, but I think at, at GMU, we at least were like, this is the show we are standing out. Like this is something different. People aren't doing what we are doing. Right. And that hurts us competitively, but we don't care. So 
that's such a cool thing is I, I saw that member buy-in where they're just like, yep, we don't care. Cool. We're in this place. we got 10th, whatever, but we did our thing. We didn't sort of submit to the wave. And I, I love that. And I, I won't be doing this submitting to the wave. You'll see me dip out before I am recycling the top group shows and you all know what I'm getting at. So, um, stress the craft, uh, relatedly for sure. My next takeaway, my tastes are not your tastes, right? Um, I'm in a bracket. That's weird. Everyone knows like, you know, I aged out in 20, technically 2013 indoor, um, Travis, the director at Mason aged out one year before me. Um, in terms of director, program coordinator, creative director roles, like we are in a younger bracket, right? So we're competing against people that are, are older, more experienced, have a different perspective. They are a little more in, in the age bracket of the judges. So it's like the things I find to be what maybe not tasteful, but what I like, my taste, what I look for out of this in terms of design and the performance, I don't think they're in line with what the judging community likes or what they think they're supposed to like so they are smart um so i, I just think it's like are we what are we trying to do with this activity are we trying to keep people out or are we trying to let people in are we trying to reach more of an audience or are we trying to make this a requirement for getting a master's degree in music theory like i just don't no, I think there's like obviously an array. I think the judges fall way on that one side where it's like this artistic nuance, like you have to get it to get it. And it's it's not really, I think, a generative approach. I take the approach of if I can show the performance to my family members or to someone who's not involved in band and they can not only get it, but like enjoy it. I think that's really cool. Um, and there are shows I don't get in WGI now that I still think are good. I, I've said it time and again, I don't think you need to get it for it to be good. But I just think that we're so insulated and it's like, oh, if you're not doing what this designer is doing, like what, what are you thinking? Or if you don't include these scales and you know, Ivan Trevino, and if you don't reference these composite, it's like. I just don't connect with that at all. I want to reflect the reality we live in now. I want to choose music that is going to be cool for the players to listen to or that they feel like, I don't know, that it connects with them in some way. And, you know, I think each group figures out how to do that. But I, I just feel like I'm finding my tastes for this are pretty different. Um, and I care less. Maybe that's the thesis of this whole podcast is like, stop caring so much what people think. I, I think we have always been a, a, you know, a cult following, whether a BCWP or eventually a GMU, um, that we, we really have fans, we create fans, but I think the judges still are like, why am I laughing? You know, we, we got so many reads where it was like, is the humor working here? I'm like, every person in the audience around you is laughing. That's that effect sheet thing where it's like, if they're laughing, why would you question the humor? They're laughing. If they're reacting, why would you question the validity of an effect? 
So my, my tastes for even like how this is all going, I think diverge. And I'm very, very happy to tell you, I don't care at all. I would rather get 10th place for the rest of my career than submit to the tracks carved out before us and then collapse into a referential nothingness where I am the amalgamation of five groups, yet I'm none of them. And I don't know who I am anymore. So I see plenty of that. Those people still place fine, but not for me. Um, I touched on this earlier. My next takeaway is to focus internally. This is very similar to the stress the craft bullet point, but whatever, like looking in, assessing what we're doing that's working. How can we get better? How can we draw the highest level of talent? How can we design quicker? How can we implement uh, choreography at a higher level earlier? Just like all the things, like everything can always improve. And just like this belief that um, we're not there and we, we never will be because anything that you do, that's a creative endeavor. There's no finish line. Like these are all checkpoints, like another year, another finalist placement, another great design, but it doesn't mean like I'm done and I'm going to start just like churning out Big Macs. Like that's just not what we do at GMU. So, you know, we, we look at the formula part of what we do and we go like that works and we're going to stick with that. But I think it's important to be introspective and reflect. It's the reason why I wanted to do this episode because God forbid, I, I usually don't listen to these, but one day I listen back 10 years from now, where was I at at year 10? Now, where am I at year 20? That'd be crazy if this keeps going for that long. I hope it does. But um, always being self-critical and, and having that be one of the frontal characteristics to what you do so that you don't get in your own way and just recycle. So, um, and that assessment and that shifting and that pivoting that we do, um, again, it's not something that everyone does, but it, I find it an important aspect to the culture that we build, to the group, type of group I wanna work with. That's just like, I am a super self-critical person and thus the groups I work with are gonna be the same. Um, and I, I don't want to do it any other way. Um, so I know a lot of people are like that out there, which is what makes our activity dope is there's so much progression and, um, I probably sound negative just going back on a lot of things and, uh, you know, discussing my qualm, but like we are moving forward and I think we do progress however slowly and however, uh, much fear we have in our progression. I think it does happen. Um, and, you know, WGI between, you know, I, I think about 2000, 2001 to now and how much change has taken place. It's pretty wild. Um, some for the worst, mostly for the better. My next takeaway is to keep going again, to be able to outlast the fatigue and the exhaustion and the self-doubt and the anger and the self-resentment and the why me and the judges are idiots and all the bullshit like it's all there and some of it's legitimate and some of it's not but if you want to be in this you have to keep going you have to be strong and resilient um i think something i've learned being in activity for as long as i have is resilience um not landing where you want competitively and still facing the next season or not giving up on your belief system like you, you have to be a little crazy and resilient to, to last in this. You, you have to believe in what you're doing above everyone else. 
regardless of how things shake out to last in this. And, and I know if you depend too heavily on external validation, only one person wins each class every year and only three medal. Um, and even medalist groups don't always have great experiences season to season. So you have to keep going and making it an enjoyable experience. Like I have so much fun at rehearsal. I have so much excitement around it, even being as far in as I am that I haven't burnt myself out. There were definitely points where I, I was burnt out in previous years, previous seasons, previous situations. But um, if you can make it a sustainable lifestyle for yourself, you can last and then you can actually grow in it, but you have to do it. You have to be in it. You have to, actually be in the experience that's that's critical being a sideline critic or whatever everyone on youtube has an opinion everyone thinks that their opinion is as valuable as everyone else's and you know what people have good opinions online and people have good opinions that are holding the the tapes but you haven't done what i've done so you have to earn that respect and that opinion some people who have turned into critics, whether it be literal judges or people who are just maybe beep, I think that they weren't resilient and that they were like, oh, this is too hard or, oh, the system's not changing fast enough or, oh, I'm not being as effective as I thought I would be as, you know, transitioning from a member to a teacher. And then they were like, oh, I can just, you know, become a commentator. And um, that's why I like to do this because I am in it and I've been on the ground since day one, since aging out. But I also am a commentator of my own work as well as everyone else's. I think that is a unique perspective that I bring to this. Um, so I'm gonna keep going. You know, I, I'm gonna keep figuring out what it's gonna take to, you know, get to the competitive level that I wanna be at, which is, it's winning, of course, but also being a consistent presence competitively at the world-class level, like we started this episode, couldn't be more humbled and couldn't have more gratitude and uh, couldn't be more in disbelief. And that needs to be like, so at the forefront of how I proceed. So I don't become jaded or cynical because I'm not a few points higher. I need to just remember you're where you're at and you're supposed to be there and you just need to keep working at it and taking in incremental steps to improve what you're doing. Um, and, and with that, my last bullet point and my last takeaway from 2023 is to be yourself. I don't care about placements. I saw a lot of groups who abandoned an identity that they had built so that they could compete at a higher level. And I could not be more sad and disappointed that the community rewards copycatting that the community possibly can't recognize copycatting or a lack of originality that creative bullet point on the sheet needs to be taken off because creativity has nothing to do with anything that we really see at the end there are groups that i think come out every year with a creative edge but I think there are many more groups that come out and are either recycling their own material that they know will work year to year, or they are copycatting the groups above them or around them and emulating those groups and not doing what they believe is true to themselves. 
I would love to talk to those people one-on-one. If you're listening to this and you feel like I am shitting on you, you can just hit me up. That's fine. You can figure out what my email is, my website, whatever, but I am sorry. Be yourself. I just cannot tolerate the amount of biting that is happening and is being rewarded. We have to admit the originality of the design is a component of the outcome, but the outcomes are based on clarity and transparency, particularly from the musical perspective. That's it. Does George Mason have to be higher level with those things? Yes, we do. But creativity, originality that we are displaying that no one seems to care about is an issue across many groups. And I just don't think that's reflected in the conversations around how these things go down that we can reward two groups placing back to back who shows are essentially the exact same concept or concepts that have been recycled year after year being put into a place that they have no business being in because they play clean triplet roles slightly cleaner than the group behind them or whatever. And maybe I've lost my way that as a designer, I'm like, we need to reward the design more. I'm the adult, blah, blah, blah. And like, listen, I love clean drum lines. I started as a snare drummer. I've been in clean drum lines, whatever. Everyone's pretty good, but I don't know that the judges either care to or are able to parse out what is actually innovative and what's not. So my message to myself and to anyone who has anything to do with the activities, be yourself, be authentic to yourself. Do not give in to the temptation of sameness, to the homogenization of design, to the fast food style delivery of design and music. We need to do this in a way, if we are truly about artistry and creativity, I think that we are at a crossroads and we have been, but I saw it more this year than ever where it's like, as long as you can play a tap drag and as long as you can play permutations that are clean and you do that over and over again, that takes precedent over the 90% of the other bullet points to the other aspects on the sheet. That's just me. Listen, I I hope to get some heavy hitters on the pod going forward. Um, Maybe some people who are steering committee level or are, you know, deciding how these things happen so I can learn because I don't know everything. I have a unique but subjective viewpoint. But damn, we are cranking out Big Macs right now. And we're not, it's not Michelin star you know, gastronomy, pushing the beliefs and boundaries of indoor. It's like, no, drum clean, the end. You know, I have a lot to reflect on, um, but we're going to keep going with with what we've been doing with GMU because I know that it works for our community. It works for our members. It's fun. That's what matters to me. Um, And I am certainly excited to kick off 2024 it's already kicked off this is year round no days off you already know how it is so this has been fun to just think about this stuff and of course rant and be a lunatic and i of course always challenge people 
to come on here and and chat through these points so I can continue evolving my knowledge base and my subject matter knowledge around these things. Um, but I will continue to refuse to engage in a lot of the political bullshit um, because I'm over that. I'm over it. I did that shit and got fired, right? I did that shit and our outcomes weren't welcomed, right? So um, that's that's a topic for another day. That's drum corps nonsense, but the politics reign supreme. I'm not playing that. I'm not here to do that. Um, so I'm going to keep working what I can do because that's that's what I know that I, I have control of. Um, so as usual, thank you all for stopping by and listening to me rant wildly. If you have not yet, please follow the page on Instagram, that Dan Band Show. Also follow Flow Marching. You probably already are on Instagram and their respective platforms. Please leave a review on um, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe. Like if you're listening on YouTube, like, leave a comment. Feel free to reach out to me. My information is definitely out there. If you do a Google search, you will find a way to me. Um, but it's super, super cool to have this, this platform and these opportunities to just um, sort of think through, you know, my experiences and, and how things trickle down from at least my end, um, being on the inside of this machine. So much love to everyone. If I hurt your feelings, I love you. See you next time.